Welcome to the Plant-Centered and Thriving Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Kitchens. I'm a plant-based registered dietitian and virtual nutrition mentor. I was raised on an Angus cattle farm, grew up with a lot of GI issues, and used the power of plant-based eating to promote healing. Here you'll find inspiration, ideas, and encouragement for your own plant-based journey. I'm so thrilled you're here today. Let's get started. I'm here with Adam today, and we are going to talk about meat and how it has been long linked to protein, which is like somewhat linked to strength, which is often seen as masculine. So we're going to dive into this subject, which I cannot wait for you guys to listen to this. And just so that you know, too, anything that we talk about, a lot of this information is going to be linked in the show notes. So if you want to learn more on this subject, it will be there for you. If you want to read more on the studies and the science that kind of supports what we're going to talk about. So welcome to the show, Adam. Thanks, Ashley. I'm happy to be here. So I've known Adam for several years now, and we work out in the gym together. We throw around some heavy weights. It's just, it's a lot of fun. And then he also brings in a really cool perspective when we talk about plant-based eating and veganism. So he's going to share a little bit more on his area of expertise here, but Adam, give us kind of a, a background on what you do, who you are, like all those great things. What I do outside of the gym or most of what I do outside of the gym is related to my time as being a PhD student at Duke University. I'm doing a joint degree in psychology and public policy. So I study kind of the psychological mechanisms or the parts of the brain underlying how people think about the policy decisions that they make, people they vote for, and how policy also affects people's psychology. So how do policies kind of trickle down and affect how we think about ourselves and move throughout the world? All of my research centers around uh, this idea or this studying of how restrictive social norms shape people's psychological development. So it could be that policies influencing these social norms, it could be that culture is, but trying to understand how when people are told to do things, to not do things a certain way when they're growing up and moving throughout the world, how does that affect their psychological upbringing, their development, their behavior, the way they think, how they feel. And so to study that, I use the, the U.S. because we are conveniently located in the U.S., but I also use men and masculinity and norms around those things to study this, this, this trajectory of how these restrictive social norms can shape people's development. So think of, I think of men and masculinity and how I study it as kind of like a case study for understanding these like broader psychological processes. And so as Ashley was talking, you can kind of, you can kind of imagine how uh, meat and masculinity go hand in hand together. And a lot of psychological research has shown that they have. And so one of the reasons that I think that that might be going on is because men might derive a lot of their identity from things they eat. And certain men might be especially adamant about proving their manhood. And one way that you can do that in the U.S., given our cultural norms around masculinity, is by eating meat. And so what I think what happens a lot of times is, and we'll get into this more as I think we go throughout the podcast, but as we suggest that people, particularly men, should be eating less meat, some men may think of that as a threat to their manhood or a threat to their masculine identity. Because I think as, as we're growing up, like Ashley said, you have this place for protein on your plate. Um, you have this place for uh, eating meat. And as we get older, we see that women very stereotypically may start to eat more salads. Men kind of stick to the meats. And I think of like stories when I would go out with my mom to eat at meals and stuff. And she, I would order a salad and she would order you know, a steak and they would always bring the wrong person, the wrong food, right? And so I grew up in South Carolina, so also a pretty conservative area. But basically research is trying to understand these things. And uh, projects projects that I've been working on recently have actually had to do specifically with meat and masculinity and trying to understand what's going on there. Why are men so tied to it? Um, how can we possibly mitigate or make that relationship 
weaker so that we can actually move men in the direction of eating healthier for them and also healthier for the environment. Absolutely. And kind of speaking to that too, Adam, so about like the, maybe just the society that we're brought up in, like you said, you go out to eat with your mom and, you know, you're brought the, let's say steak and she's brought the salad when exactly the opposite was ordered. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. let's even dive into like the marketing and the advertising that's kind of been thrown at us, like over these past few decades and why maybe this is also part of the influence. Yeah, totally. I think marketing is a great thing to look at in terms of the history of how these things were shaped. I don't know too much about the history of where kind of meat comes from as a masculine symbol, something that I should have looked into more. But I, I will say that meat has long been associated with like success in the world. And so like when families and, and men are the providers of those families, when they've achieved success, they can finally afford meat, right? So it's like this thing, it's like, well, historically, I'm supposed to associate meat with success. So maybe it is meat associating with protein and stuff, but it's also a status symbol. And so it's saying, I've made it for my family. I want my, I want my family to be taken care of. Meat is very like calorically dense. And so it's really this thing that for a long time, and still today, I think is seen as like, oh, I can afford these things for my family. Like we hear a nice steak or like a, a whole rotisserie chicken or those things like they, they're supposed to be more expensive, like high-end items. And so it's still seen as this kind of this status symbol. And so I think over time, it's grown to be connected with masculinity because in the traditional family structure, men are also the providers who are supposed to provide that, that status. And so what happened over time is that kind of marketers took advantage of that association and just started kind of like labeling other things as, as masculine. And then if I'm feeling maybe insecure about my own masculinity and want to show my family or show others around me that I'm masculine and have the status and can provide for my family, something I can do is to buy meat for them and eat that meat. And, and so as women are kind of where over the years being pulled by marketers and like the be, be skinny, be fit, be small, eat your salad direction, men are still being pulled in the be a provider, be a man for your family, uh, be successful in the world direction, which meat is that symbol just in the same way that salads and eating skinny in quotes and doing quotes, but yeah. you can't see them since it's a podcast. Being like that would be the same counterpart for women, right? So there's just about these stereotypes that are placed on on both men and women that ultimately don't help anyone. I can't say for certain if it's like the marketing, it's like a chicken or the egg question. I think it, we kind of came from this history of where meat was the status symbol, especially for men. And marketers took advantage of it, maybe got worse because they took advantage of it. So chicken or the egg kind of thing, but I definitely think it's something to consider in how, again, how to, how to make meat less associated with manhood and masculinity is to look at what can we, can we challenge the marketing that's going on around, around these things and, and improve it. I think it is getting better and on a positive note, I think there have been efforts to make environmentalism seem more palatable to men or, or eating, eating vegan or eating less meat, but it's, we still have a long way to go, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, it's definitely mm -hmm. changing and I've even seen the changes, but there mm -hmm. is such a long way to go. And I'm sure you listening, you can think back to maybe commercials that you've seen, you know, featuring men eating meat, women eating salads. Like Adam said, it's like, there's a lot of work that needs to be done here, but at the same time, there are shifts that are happening, which is really refreshing to see as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I do want to say that I, I don't necessarily want to like demonize meat. I think people will get turned off a lot when you say like meat's bad, men shouldn't eat as much meat, but it's not necessarily that. So our, if we have the scientific evidence to show that like, eating less meat in your diet is healthier for you and eating less meat is better for the environment. It's where I'm really concerned psychologically about the men who, when you present them with this information, that's like, here's the science. Maybe if you ate like X amount less meat per week, it would be better for you and the environment they're very resistant. Like they see it as a threat to their own identity, to their own manhood. It's like, okay, well, what, what's going on there? Like, what are the psychological like pieces that we can like tease apart to make it so that when I present 
you with this information that you're not negatively reactive, right? Is it how I'm presenting it? Is it something going on with your, their socialization? Um, I, I had dinner recently with a friend and then a friend's younger brother. And I was talking about this kind of research going on. And I was just saying how most science, if not all that good, well done science right now says those things like that it's better for the environment to eat less meat and it's better for your health overall. And he was just like, no, it's not, mm. it's not, it's not healthier. And I was like, it is though. I'm not like, I'm not going to get into like this argument with you at this table that we're eating at, but I'm like, if we could just all like, around, and we've talked about this a little bit, if we could just all eat less meat rather than trying to convince everyone to be vegan and not the reactivity that comes with that, like we'll eventually move in that direction, hopefully. But at least for men, it's like, I'm just trying to tell you, like, you don't need a steak every night. That's all I'm trying to say. Yes. <laughs> and why are you getting so angry with me? <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Yes. Cause in a yeah. way, like food is really tied up into our identities, how we were raised our culture. And so when you kind of like maybe challenge that a little bit, it, it can be really tough on the person on mm -hmm. the receiving end. So absolutely. Yeah. So along those lines, what are kind of some studies that you've come across to maybe support some of this data or just what are, what are you seeing in general that you can share with everyone listening? Yeah, so there's uh, some really recent research on this because these are things that have recently been talked about in like everyday conversations between people who are concerned about these issues, but only recently have psychologists and sociologists really begin experimenting on these things. And so I use a lot of this, the same kind of experiments in my work, but basically the, the short gist of it is there's research that shows that when men experience a threat to their manhood, so someone's saying like, you're not masculine enough or you're not manly enough, then they react a certain way, whether that's any kind of, we call it a compensatory response. So they're compensating to try to show that they're masculine versus, and that's important because when you compare it to women who you say the same thing to them, typically there's not the same response or there's lesser of a response than average, right? So women feel less of a need as we can see uh, from the different ways that we're measuring it to reassert their womanhood. So it's this idea that manhood occupies this kind of precarious place in society that men have to constantly prove. And when it's challenged, they want to reassert it. This has been studied across things. It was studied in the beginning, mostly with aggression. Um, and then we're trying, or researchers have been trying to apply that same um, framework to different kind of outcomes. And one of those outcomes is men eating meat. So it's like, is eating meat this compensatory response that certain men have to feeling like their manhood's threatened? So a really cool study that, that I like a lot that came out in 2019 uh, by researchers Nakagawa and Hart and Hart. Um, they actually did an internet-based experiment then showed that experiencing a masculinity or manhood threat led men to express more attachment to meat consumption. And then they paired that with a lab experiment um, and different manipulations and found the same effect, right? That when you threaten men's uh, manhood versus when you don't threaten it, so they're doing these two things to different participants, the men who are threatened were more likely to say that they, they were more attached to meat consumption. And so that's, I think that's a really interesting study. We're actually trying to replicate some of those findings now in, in our work. Um, I was in partnerships with some environmental agencies and we're sort of trying to do those with uh, more diverse samples of men, larger samples of men, and also trying to understand um, why it is that some men do that and some men don't, right? Why is, why is, what is it about men's manhood? What is it about threat? And then lastly, trying to combine that with some, like I said, some intervention work to see, could, is there a way to present this that could prevent that reaction? Could we, is it better to present it as a health message, as an environmental message, so like saying eating meat is bad for your health or eating meat is bad for the environment or eating meat will help your fellow, eating less meat will help your better fellow humans, like a communal message. What, what messaging might be the most beneficial for, for these men who are feeling threatened and uh, let's say like going, be, being more attached to eating meat than after they're threatened. So 
Um, you can see that how that would play out in multiple domains, but I think it's really interesting and relevant that it is playing out in this in this meat consumption domain. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think for you listening, you can see why I had Adam on the podcast when, cause when we would sort of like briefly talk about this in the gym, it's such a fascinating way to look at really our culture, our society, and kind of just dig a little bit deeper into why we eat what we eat. Because I know, you know, this, you know, it's not as simple as just like eating food, like food is ingrained in so many other ways and just as fuel into our body. And so that's why I really wanted Adam to kind of share his area of expertise because it goes so much deeper than that as we're learning. Yeah, totally. And we've talked about things like the gender distribution of your clients and how more women tend to come to you than men. And yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I'm not sure about like the overall gender distribution of people who would go to like eating life coaches like you, but I think nutrition specialists, but probably more women than men, but I would think uh, someone who specializes in plant-based eating, you probably get even more women than you get men because men want to keep, you know, they want to build muscle or they want to like keep meat in their diet and think that the only way that they can do that is by eating meat. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. So these stereotypes, we got to figure out how to break them down. And I think, I think they're all related. So these, yeah, these harmful gender stereotypes, it's not just the meat thing. It's other things like aggression and even sexual violence and some, some more pernicious outcomes, but it's been, it's been cool to study it in this context. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm curious, as we're talking about the stereotype with meat consumption and kind of the background there, the psychology behind that, but what does this possibly mean for the plant-based industry? We kind of talked in the beginning about how things are starting to change. Like we're not seeing maybe as many commercials that are geared towards, you know, targeting men with meat consumption, but what possibly could this mean for the plant-based industry? Yeah, I think that's a really great question. And I think about the the answer and both what are our short-term goals and what are our long-term goals or are our goals more related to trying to get more people to eat plant-based or are they more related to trying to break down these stereotypes that cause this problem in the first place and I'll explain that so in the sh in the short term I think what a lot of uh environmentalism people have found is that if we make environmentalism seem more masculine then we're gonna be able to move more men in the short term toward those behaviors, whether that's saving water or planting trees or driving a Prius or whatever it is, uh, we can make it. But then it begs the question, is that just buying into the same kind of gender norm stereotypes that got us here in the first place, right? If we're like, look, it can be masculine and feminine. Well, why can't it just be for everyone in the same, like, why does it need to be? So I think in the short term, if we really wanna move people men in the direction of eating less meat, we could make plant-based eating uh, more, seem more masculine. But I think as a gender researcher and a social norm researcher, that one kind of like hurts me a little bit because ultimately we want to just break down the gender norms themselves. And so, but that's a much, much harder thing that is kind of up to the job of psychologists rather than up to a job of like marketers, right? Because marketers can go and say like, we're going to make all of these like beyond burgers and all these things like put beet juice in them. So they look like meat or whatever, and make them very male, male focused, male driven. And that's going to be great in the short term to get more men to uptake plant-based eating, but in the long term, it'd be actually just great to, to over kids development, just break down those gender norms so that they don't ever experience that in the first place. So when a kid gets to the age of like, they could choose their own foods and stuff, they would be shocked to hear that only men eat meat or men eat meat. Like they would be like, what are you talking about? Like everyone, there's no, that's silly to think about. And so I've actually seen that in some of my work with with kids, I haven't looked at the, the meat thing with kids specifically, but I uh, have interviewed, been interviewing a bunch of 10 to 14 year old boys and have found that like more than a few on the more progressive side of things are, say like, we have a, a thing about like wearing a pink t-shirt, which I think when growing up, actually you and I were like, 
boys don't wear pink or whatever. And so oh, yeah. it was like, and some of these kids, we present them with that, like someone made fun of you for wearing a pink t-shirt. And some of the kids are like, I don't get it. What do you mean? Why would they do that? So it's like, just like this whole kind of like paradigm shift of if we can just address these gender norms and stereotypes when kids are young, maybe we can prevent them from even like thinking about me as masculine in the first place. So the long, that's the long-term goal, right? But in the short term, if we want to improve the plant-based eating, you can, I think, and, and work with your clients, or if you work with men specifically, you can, and they have this problem, just approaching it from like all kinds of people are, eat plant-based. It's not just men or women. It's just all kinds of people rather than saying, oh, it can be masculine. Look at this athlete, which I know we want to do. And there's that cool Netflix documentary and stuff. So we're actually trying to test whether that is a way to get men to eat more masculine versus like some of these other messaging things. But I would say the, the ideal goal is to say, focus on like the, all people do it. It's good for humanity. It's good for your body rather than the other men do it. Like strong men do it. That kind of messaging. Yeah. 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 I like so that. Maybe and strong people do it. There yes. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, Absolutely. Strong people. Yeah. Yeah. And Adam, he's referring to the Game Changers documentary on Netflix, which is, is a, it's just, it's a cool documentary mm -hmm. to see, you know, plant-based athletes and how still like, it's not like they're at a disadvantage because they're plant-based. And I like what you were saying too, Adam, because really, if we look at the data with anyone going plant-based, doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, you know, there's a lot of data to support that even a reduction in meat consumption, dairy consumption can have a really great impact on our health, you know, in regards to type two diabetes, heart disease, certain types of cancer. Like there is a lot of benefit to it, no matter who you are. So, right. Yeah. 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 Man, woman, non-binary, any, anything it's going to, I think our hearts aren't made to eat <laughs> as much meat as some of us eat, yeah, yeah. as the American culture would tell us to. Yes. Yeah. And I like to, that Adam said this more in the beginning of the podcast, but it's not like by any means we're calling meat bad because you know, that I preach, you know, we don't label any foods as good or bad. It's just, mm -hmm. we're just kind of talking about a reduction in meat consumption and kind of shifting our diet to a more plant dominant diet, um, just because of what sort of the research shows when it comes to health and the environment and so many other great things that surpass both of those. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think, yeah, understanding why certain people, particularly men are so resistant to that change is an mm -hmm. important question. I think that'll be a really important area for future research. And I'm excited to keep my own research going in this area. And I will keep you updated if we have any cool findings or studies that come out. Yes, please do. Yeah. And it sounds like yeah. kind of in summation, what you were saying is like really trying to banish these types of stereotypes will be helpful in the long term. Um, mm -hmm. And also to like, regardless of gender, it's, it's, it's going to take like us people who are maybe, or have grown up in a society where, you know, meat was marketed to men and salads to women type thing. It's going to take some like unlearning of that type of stuff and, and relearning of some other great things. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Could not agree more. Yeah. Cool. Adam, thank you so much for being here and just sharing your expertise and your wisdom um, and just some research regarding meat and plant-based eating and all those great, great things. So if someone wants to connect with you or reach out to you or has an additional question in addition to what we provided in the show notes, where could they find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter. I think my Twitter handle, I don't do it very much. <laughs> my Twitter handle is uh, my first and last name, Adam Staniland. And then if you Google me, uh, you can also find an email address and I'm happy to talk about these things or people are interested in learning more, I can send along resources and articles as well. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Go check out Adam on Twitter. Give him a follow, give him a like, and thank you again so much for being here, Adam. Really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, this was great. Of course. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the Plant-Centered and Thriving Podcast today. If you found this episode inspiring, please share it with a friend or post it on social media and tag me so I can personally say thank you. Until next time, keep thriving.